0: Good morning, church. How are we? I was uh, just saying to Pastor Benny, I was sitting down the front, I'm like, man, whenever I come here, I feel so at home, I'm going to kick my shoes off and just sit back and relax. Um, Just humour me for a moment, please. I had the privilege of meeting uh, two amazing people just before this service. I'd never met them before. And as I stood in their presence, um, I felt a weight that I just want to acknowledge, and that's... um, Pastor Chang and and Auntie Ellen, thank you so much for your years of faithful service um, and how God is continuing to minister. Um, It would be easy for people uh, like this to to start to sing their own song. And Auntie's comment was, hey, maybe we should get a meal one day and I can share with you how good God has been. That was her focus straight away. Uh, That's the song that I want to be preaching uh, when I get to your stage. Um, and then uh, the other one, this, um, this brings so much joy uh, to my heart. Um, as we were worshipping, and I looked up here on the stage, um, just standing over to the side, over here, um, is uh, my beautiful young sister, Rachel Lim. Rachel, I don't know, um, it's Mr. K here from Thornley Christian College. I used to be your school chaplain. And um, when I, I just saw her um, worshipping the way that she was, there's... Uh, There's a joy that comes when you see young people grow into their fullness and with reckless abandon continue to give it all to Jesus. Um, And so, uh, Rachel, I don't know if you're still in the congregation here, but um, for whatever it's worth, you've been a great encouragement to me even this morning. So thank you and keep fighting the good fight. That's awesome. And uh, online campus, city campus, here we are. It is so good to be here with you. Um, I'm representing my family. My wife and I, Sky, we've been together for 32 years. Yes, it's amazing. We've got four beautiful children. I think there's a photo. Oh, look at them. Um, So the kids, two of the kids, the youngest kids are at my grandparents having a sleepover. The other two, Sky's taken, they're competing at the uh, state track and field championships this weekend in the city. Um, And my boy, my 12 year old boy, Deshaun, he's running his 800, um, he should have finished by now. I deliberately have not checked my phone for the results, I don't want to get distracted. But he's just turned 12, he competed in the under 14s this weekend, and he took out the silver medal in the high jump yesterday. Um, It was phenomenal. I'm so proud of him and for all those kids. One thing that I wanna start uh, this morning with is a statement, and I want you, if you have a pen and paper or your phone or whatever you have in front of you, write this down. Life is an adventure. Write it down. Life is an adventure. If you're writing that down, and you're thinking to yourself, Armit, that ain't my story. (laughs) It's a little bit mundane over here. I pray that you would be stirred in a fresh way today. And may that stirring be a vision of God's kingdom in a fresh and new way. Life is not meant to be a case of um, go to sleep, wake up, rinse and repeat. And too often we find in our stories that we are just drifting through this existence. Folks, life is meant to be an adventure. As you unpack the story of Jesus, as you see the example that He set for all of us, the mundane, rinse and repeat, um, ordinary, boring, does not equate to the example that He set. I'm not trying to say to you that every single moment of the day needs to be like full of energy, like you're on the crest of the wave, But life is meant to be an adventure. There is a reason for each of you still breathing. That breath is not meant to be for yourself, folks. Life is meant to be an adventure. So very briefly, here's some of our adventure. In the last seven years as a family, um, I have faced cancer, still going through an ongoing journey with that. We've been homeless for 471 days, my wife and our four kids, we had no fixed address, we never went without food, we never went without shelter, but we had nowhere to call home for 471 days. I have experienced significant pay cuts, I have faced looming unemployment, we've had businesses that have gone well and others that have not. And I'm gonna stand here before you as your brother and say to you that this lie that we have concocted that says to be a follower of Christ means you need to be like, everything's just so good. Life is amazing. Oh, life is so good. I'm just, I'm living on the crest of this wave. Oh, God is just amazing. Here's the testimonies of all that is going well, all that is going well, all that is going well. I'm standing before you now on the uh, 5th of March on this particular Sunday to say to you that life isn't always about the crest of the wave. My life journey, even very briefly, I've shared with you for the last seven years, there has been some amazing highs and there's been some amazing lows. And here's what I have found to be true. In the highest of heights and the lowest of valleys, my God is still sovereign. Sovereign. No matter what it is that you are going through, no matter what it is your story, no matter how your adventure is unfolding right now, listen carefully. God is good. His love endures forever and His faithfulness shall be forevermore. These are not my words. A bloke called David wrote this in Psalm 136. The same God that he worshipped is the same one that we worship. The God of yesterday is the same today and will be the same tomorrow. God is good. His love endures forever. His faithfulness shall be forevermore. And if that is not a God that you know, I pray that you would meet Him in a fresh way today. I pray that you would. So here we are. The topic, the how of being missional. The how of being missional. Whatever I have to share this morning, I ask this of you. Don't assume it to be true. Go back and do your work. Write whatever notes you can. Take it before the Father. Pray about it. If I am off in any way, Pastor Benny and Amos and the team have got my details here. Come and correct me. This is not my message. I'm wanting to be faithful to the message of my risen Jesus. And it's all about Him. So do your work and take it to Him. Anything that is not of Him, may it perish but come and correct me if I need to be corrected. And whatever is of Him, hold on to it tight, folks, and let it stir you in a fresh way. Join with me in prayer. Oh, Father, have Your way with us this morning. Father, have Your way with us, I pray. Jesus, awaken Your church. Spirit, stir. Father, we surrender to you. Our breath is yours. Our strength is yours. Our intelligence is yours. Our resource is yours. Our energy is yours. May our hearts beat to your rhythm alone if we are out of beat in any way, Father, correct us. Bring us back to your beat. Bring us back to your beat. Father, my prayer this morning is that you would break us in a fresh way. If there is anything in our thought and our practice that seeks to glorify that which we see in the mirror, Father, I pray that you would tear it down and get rid of it. We do not want to give into the flesh, We want to only bow our knee to You because You are worthy of all our praise. Father, You are worthy of it all. Everything is for You. So here we are this morning. Lord, I pray for us as a family that we would have a holy discontent, that there would be a dissatisfaction with the status quo, Father, that You would stir us in a fresh way, that we would have a fresh vision of the Kingdom of God, which Jesus, our Saviour, came to proclaim. May our driving desire not be a larger bank balance or a different postcode, but may our driving desire be to see Your Kingdom come in Perth as it is in heaven. in our our state as it is in heaven, in our nation as it is in heaven, in our world as it is in heaven. That sounds like a lofty goal, but Father, You call us to dream big with You. Open our minds to what could be. Prepare our hearts for what will be. And may our being be that of Jesus. And Lord, we also wanna bring our brothers and sisters across the globe this morning who do not have the freedom to engage in worship the way that we are right now. They don't have this freedom, they don't have these privileges, they don't have this comfort, they don't have this opportunity. Father, break our hearts for that which breaks yours. Holy Spirit, would you bring our brothers and sisters who are living in those situations to mind often. And we stand with them as one. The boldness and the courage that they demonstrate day in and day out, Father, we pray that that would be evident in our lives. And the abundance of things that we have, Father, we pray that you would show us ways that we could just share that recklessly for your kingdom. It's all yours anyway. So take it all. But have your way with us this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So I've been asked to unpack the how of being missional. Um, But I want to rephrase that slightly. Because I don't think it's about the how of being missional. I think it's about the who of being missional. And I'll explain what I mean as we go through the rest of this morning. But there's a, knowing you've been through this series on missions, um, something that I'm very passionate about, there's a couple of things that I've pulled from the Amit Kaira cheat sheet that I want to share with you this morning in case you ever got into a test situation regarding missions. So here's four things that I want you to take note of. Uh, The first one is this. The greatest strategy for missions is Jesus. Jesus embodies mission. He is the embodiment of everything we understand to be missions. If you are here this morning wanting a three-step process on the how of being more missional, you ain't going to get it. Cuz the answer is in a person the transformation that we need to see in our church as in the wider body of Christ regarding being more missional, as in loving God more and serving others more, the strategy around that, that transformation can only come about when the truth of Jesus is revealed to you and I. Transformation comes from revelation, not from a program or a structure. So the key question really is not the how, but it's the who, and the question is this, who is Jesus to you? I could walk off the stage right now and that's a brilliant sermon. (laughs) Who is he to you? You have to wrestle with this question. I don't care if you're online, in your pyjamas, sitting on your couch, you're at city campus, you're here, wherever you might be, you have to wrestle with that question at some point in your existence as to who is Jesus. Because if He He is who He says He is, everything's got to change. Everything. Second thing, missions does not equal Passport missions equals perspective i'll say that again missions does not equal passport missions equals perspective what if missions wasn't the uh, the picture on your fridge but it was actually your neighbor living next door what if it was your sporting club? What if it was a gym that you went to train at? What if it was your uh, shopping centre? What if it was your workplace? What if it was your school classroom? What if it was your own home? How would that change and affect the way in which you live your life? Would it still be a case of just get up, rinse and repeat, go to bed? How is it that we are on Mission, being a Christ follower is not a switch to turn on on a Sunday and turn off on a Sunday night. It can't be that. Number three, missions is not an optional extra. It's not something that we work towards as we grow in our understanding of Jesus. Missions is not an optional extra. Missions is like the entry level base model, basic package deal. You wanna follow Christ? You're on mission. That's it. Number four, be willing to lose it all. Be willing to lose everything. The reason for that is this. If we hold onto that which makes us comfortable and secure, and that is our unashamed focus, the problem is when anything threatens that, we will retreat. If our focus is on comfort and security, when anything threatens that, we will retreat. If you live your life in such a way that you honestly demonstrate in word and in practice that you are willing to lose it all, there is nothing to retreat from. That is where people like Paul have the, the guts to say, death, where is your victory? Death, where is your sting? Um, I choose to give this life away. Uh, one day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. It doesn't matter whether my life finishes now or continues for another 10 years because every breath is yours Anyway. In the Kingdom of God, there is no such thing as a full stop, there's just comma after comma after comma. The story will continue to be written. Jesus will continue to be glorified. There is nothing to be lost. This was made known to me in a very real way on the 18th of May, 2020. I was walking down my driveway about to get into my dad's car to go for surgery after I just got diagnosed with cancer three days earlier. And as I'm walking down my driveway into my father's car, this was my prayer. Father, if this is a full stop to my story, if you are calling me home now, we are good. I had such an assurance of my salvation. It has been beautiful. I praise God for the gift of cancer. I just wished it was wrapped a little bit differently. But as I've gone through, I said, Father, if this is a full stop, if this is you calling me home, if this is the end, As your son, I've got two bold requests. Number one, please don't let my wife be lonely. And number two, please don't let my kids be without a father figure. But other than that, I'm coming home. We're good. But if this is a comma, oh Lord, give me strength and give me humility because if it wasn't already, every breath will be yours. I am gonna unashamedly go after your kingdom like no one else has ever before. And in that moment of prayer, I felt the Holy Spirit minister to me and say, son, with me, there's never a full stop. And it got me thinking, why do we put so much emphasis on this here and now? And this is a beautiful life that we get to live, I agree. But this is not the be all and end all, folks. It's not. So be willing to lose everything. Because then what can the enemy come after? He's got nothing on you. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. No matter what price I pay, I choose to give this life away. Oh man, can you imagine that the church rose up like that? Look out. So the enemy wants you to drift through life. He wants you in the rinse and repeat cycle. He wants you to be visionless. He wants you to be on autopilot. This is what He desires for you because a church in that stream is not a threat to what He has planned. Comfort and security are the very things that rob us of adventure and faith. That's how our journey into 471 days without a fixed address started one of my mentors when I was on long service leave just after having my fourth born Maya to us, he asked me the question, where do you see yourself in five years? So I went back and reflected and I looked at my life and I'm like, man, if five years looks exactly like it does now, this would be a waste of five years. Oh no, what does this mean? (laughs) And I wrestled with that for 17 weeks. I wrestled with that for 17 weeks. And then he said this to me, so often, the places in which we seek to find comfort and security in our story is the place where faith would normally reside. So here's a challenge. Do you wanna be a man of faith or do you wanna be a man of comfort and security? And he just left that with me like the old proverbial microphone drop. <laughs> what am I supposed to do with this? I know, I'll have all of the above, please. Option C, comfort, faith and security. That sounds like a good answer. That wasn't one of the options. But here's what I've picked up on so far over the last couple of weeks as I look back on some of the messages that you guys have been sitting under with Ari and with Pastor Benny. Ari made this comment here early on, Jesus came to show us how to live. I hope you're picking up on a theme here in regards to missions that has been flowing through FCC. Jesus came to show us how to live. And then Pastor Benny a couple of weeks ago mentioned these things. Pray faithfully, connect relationally, love practically and share boldly. All of these elements are embodied in the person of Jesus. He is our connection. He is our love. And because of all these things, we boldly share in word and deed. The answer is Jesus. It's about Him. Who is He to you, church? Who is He? If I'm gonna share anything more about the person of Jesus as it relates to being missional this morning, uh, what has come to mind is a passage all the way back in the Old Testament in 2 Chronicles chapter seven. Verse 14 reads this way. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will, Hear from heaven, and I will forgive their sin, and I will heal their land. Now, I know that this statement is words inspired by an exclusive and unique covenant between Yahweh and His chosen people, Israel. I'm not going to stand here this morning on the 5th of March 2023 and say this was directed at us, because it wasn't. It was directed at the people of Israel back in those days. But it reveals something about the heart of this Father that we serve. And there's something that we need to learn from this passage. But there's a whole lot that led up to chapter 7, verse 14. In chapter 1 of Second Chronicles, we see Solomon having a dream. and He gets asked this question. Ask me whatever you want me to give you. Ask me. That's what he had in his dream. And what was his response? He's like, oh, wisdom and knowledge. Church, if you were asked that question this morning, ask me whatever you want and I will give it to you. How would you respond? I was thinking about that as I was writing this message. I said, Father, honestly, my first response was, please clear my mortgage. (laughs) That would be my first response. I'm like, man, that's an example of me not being willing to lose it all. Finances, ah, there's an entry there for the enemy to have a crack at me ongoing. I've got to die to this. I've got to die to this. No matter what the Father wills, if we have to be homeless again, then whatever He wills, whatever He wills, whatever He wills, it doesn't matter. It's all for Him anyway, right? It's all for Him. But if you were asked that question, what would your response be honestly? Then in chapter two, we uh, see the building of the temple and the palace, not to contain Yahweh, but to worship Him. Solomon starts going into some great detail. And so it got me thinking here in chapter two, why do we build containers to try and house God? Why do we? We try and introduce an aspect of our Christian faith uh, called missions as a category of our discipleship, almost to put missions in a container to contain how it is that we serve. It's meant to be all of our lives, folks. Missions is not meant to fit in a container. Jesus is not meant to fit in a container. One of my favourite artists is a guy called Propaganda and he says it in this in one of his um, uh, spoken word artist moments. He says, um, following, Jesus is like a lion. Don't try and tame him, just open the cage. Is that the Jesus that you know? Or are you trying to tame him? What I see across the body of Christ as I've had the privilege to travel around the world over the last 21 years is seeing how well we do at taming and sanitising the Gospel. We almost have done well at making it boring. I grew up in a youth group where the hope and our prayer was that kids would not sleep around, they would not go and get drunk, they would not go to those parties, they would commit to a cell group, they'd come to church at least once on a Sunday, they wouldn't swear too much, and that they would tithe. Like that's the container that we have constructed to what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. My Jesus did not go to the cross so that we could construct a container to fit Him in. How dare we? Folks, the Jesus that rose from the grave, the spirit that raised him, that breathes life into you and I today, is not to be contained. I think back into the book of Acts chapter 9 and you got two of our brothers walking up the hill to that temple and um, you know, silver and gold I do not have, but what I have I do give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Blind man, rise up and walk. Lame man, rise up and walk. They would walk through the streets and the, the, the people that their shadows touched would be transformed. And they didn't go through some, let's open up the missions container now and usher in the Spirit of God. They just walked with Him. Everywhere they went, they carried Him. Do you recognise that that which those two disciples carried is the same which you and I carry? Do you believe that, folks? Because if you honestly do, our lives cannot reflect tame, sanitised, boring, container Christianity. It cannot and it should not. Chapter three and four. Uh, we see in some great detail here in the book of Second Chronicles, uh, the building and the construction of the temple and the palace, and my goodness me, what a project. The detail that we get introduced to is phenomenal, and the best of that which they had was used in order to worship Him who needs to be worshipped. And it got me thinking as I was going through chapters three and four, Father, am I just giving you my leftovers or am I giving you the best of what I've got? When I wake up in the morning in my green zone, I've got my calendar set up as a traffic light, green, amber and red. And I say to my work colleagues, if you want like the five coffee uh, version of Armit, get me in my green zone. If you want the three coffee version, get me in my amber zone. Um, Don't talk to me in my red zone. I'm only good for emails and getting stuff ready for the next day. Like I'm cooked and I'm done for the day. And I was trying to look at that. Okay, my green, my amber and my red. And when is it that I fit my time, when I fit my time in with Jesus? And I hate to say it, folks, but when I did my own personal assessment, I was giving God my leftovers. And I got really convicted about that. And so it meant that I needed to start going to bed earlier so that I could wake up earlier. So my green zone started earlier, but the start of my green zone was all for Him. And just that discipline alone, it has done something in me. Just the simple action of choosing not to watch TV and going to bed so that I can give my Father the best part of my green zone, it's done something in me, folks. What's the green zone in your day and is a prime of that being given to him who deserves all of your praise? Or are you just fitting him in on the tail end of your red zone before the night is done and it's time to go and rinse and repeat again? He is worthy of the best, not just our leftovers. Then in chapter five, we have the opening ceremony of the temple. We're told that there were so many sheep and cattle sacrificed that they could not be recorded Or counted. What is our expression? This is what it got me asking as I sat through this chapter. What is my expression of abundance and generosity? I'm not going to get into prosperity doctrine. I don't sign up for that sort of stuff. I don't know where everyone else is on that. I have lived in situations where people have got nothing and they still worship more than what I see in the church in the West. I'm not into that. So when I talk about abundance and generosity, hear me very clearly this morning. You will live a life of abundance depending on how you define what is enough in your life. If your level of enough is here, that is what is enough for me, then abundance only comes in when you go past that ceiling. And sometimes the way we define enough, guys, it's unrealistic, it's pretty selfish, it's not that important. If we can redefine enough, all of a sudden we start living in abundance from down here. You know what you can do when you live in abundance and with generosity? Everything changes around you, folks. Everything changes. So as I'm sitting through this particular chapter, looking at this opening ceremony and asking, what is my expression of abundance and generosity? I'm being convicted about how do I define enough in my life? Because if I could actually work with the Father on that and see that barrier come down a little bit more realistically, um, I will not be living in want, I'll be living in abundance. I hope that makes sense. I hope that makes sense. What is enough? And we need to redefine that for ourselves. Chapter six, a profound prayer then there's more sacrifices and more offerings. And there's an overflow of the presence of God in such a way they had to convert sections of the temple into places of sacrifices and offerings because that which they had set apart for sacrifices and offerings was not enough to contain all that was going on. Wasn't enough. Was not enough. All this talk of sacrifices and offerings, all through chapter six, and then we get to chapter seven. And I love this part of the story. We're told that this happens. Fire comes down from heaven, consumes that which was on the altar. Fire falls down on a sacrifice. 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 sacrifice. Guys, are you getting this? If you go through Scripture, and you understand what's being written through Philippians and Romans, what we see here is the Apostle Paul reminding us that we need to live our lives, our lives as a sacrifice. We're meant to be a living sacrifice. Our lives, our calendars, our credit cards, our homes, our cars, our clothes, everything is meant to be a living sacrifice. Fire falls down on a sacrifice. We ask for God to come and fill. We ask for God to come and move. We ask for God to come and do whatever He wants. Fire will fall down on a sacrifice. Is your life being lived as a lived sacrifice? Or are you just sitting there actually wanting to be the one who is worshipped? Which is it? To, to conduct ourselves as a living sacrifice means to just lay ourselves on the altar. Our only prayer is, Father, have your way. This breath is yours, this strength is yours, these hands are yours, these feet are yours, everything, is, it's all yours. So to, to put this in a very a practical way, I was reminded of... Uh, I had spent some time in Zimbabwe when I was a little bit younger, spent many, many times there over many, many years. And there was one particular instance that came to mind as I was preparing this message this morning. I was then out in one of the remote communities and attended a church service there of which I had no idea of the language that was being spoken or the people that called that church their home. Never been there in my life. And I walked in there with some friends of mine and we sat down at the back And all I can say to you is I experienced a sense of family that I have seldom experienced elsewhere. And I couldn't understand a word of what was being spoken. But within my spirit, I just knew that, man, these people were worshipping the same God. And this is beautiful. And as Scripture was unpacked, I didn't know what passages they were reading or what was even being said, but my, my spirit was just jumping with joy. And I'm sitting there in this remote community in Zimbabwe where there's been no food and no water for days on end. And the people are coming together because they're just seeking God's face for help. They know that without Him, they've got nothing. They weren't asking for more. They were just asking for enough so that they could continue to love Him and serve others. And I sat with them as they cried out to their Father in worship. And it was one of the most beautiful moments in my life. And it came time for the offering in the service and then there's a guitar case, I felt like I was in free, was watching a busker again. And there's a guitar case at the front of the stage at this particular church gathering. And during the song, as they were all singing like the sound of heaven, people just start walking down the front and giving whatever they could into this guitar case. And so I stood up and there was an older lady sitting next to me and she stood up, so I let her go in front of me first. And, All I could say is that she smelt a bit like a Mrs. Max pie with a hint of rosemary. And I was just walking behind her slowly and then she got to the front. She stood there, lifted her head up. She raised her hands and then she just stepped into the guitar case. And I'm just standing behind her now with the smell of Mrs. Max even stronger. And that sister of mine taught me a lesson that I'll never forget. It's not just about giving what's in your hip pocket, folks. Are we actually living our lives as a sacrifice? That simple act of reckless abandon and gift was her declaration saying, Silver and gold I do not have, but whatever I do have, I'm gonna give to you. Can you imagine if the church of our city would live their lives in such a way? Can you imagine if our Christian educators walked into their classroom in such a way? Can you imagine if our Christ-following students walked into their own classrooms and hallways and corridors and sporting fields in such a way? Can you imagine if our business people walked into their corporate offices in such a way? Can you imagine if our parents wake up every single morning and looked at their families in such a way? Can you imagine if our pastors and our leaders of our city would actually put aside anything which is of self and die to all of that and step forward and lead in such a way? Can you just imagine what that would mean for our city? Can you imagine what that would mean for our city? And the only way this is gonna happen is it has to start with you and me individually. It has to start with us. We have to be so consumed with the person of Jesus that we would live our lives in such a way that it is willing to be lost, everything is willing to be lost for the sake of Him and His Kingdom. Because when we do that and when our lives demonstrate this in word and in deed, the enemy has no ground, he has no authority, He he has no avenue for threats, he has no territory at all, he's got nothing, folks. He's got nothing, but this is going to take what we see in 2 Chronicles. Three key words this morning, humility, repentance and commissioning. If my people would humble themselves and pray and seek my face, if they would, then repentance and turn from their wicked ways. And commissioning, I will hear from heaven and I will heal their land. We are meant to be sent as agents of change and restoration in our city. That's who we are. Humility is disarming and repentance is contagious. Humility is disarming and repentance is contagious. But folks, we've all been commissioned to the same thing. Go, go and make disciples. Wherever you are, go and make disciples. How is the life of your neighbour better because you're following Jesus and you live next door to them? Do you even know the name of your neighbours? How is your street better because you're following Jesus and you live on that street? How is your workplace better because you're following Jesus and you get to spend hours there every single week? How how is it? Guys, we're meant to be these agents of change and restoration. And understand there's gonna be highs and there's gonna be lows. But the God that we serve is sovereign over that entire bandwidth. He is good. His love does endure forever. His faithfulness will be forevermore. That's is the how and the who of being missional. Let me close with this this morning. I've got some friends of mine who have called the slums of Bangkok home for the last 14 years. They've taken a vow of poverty themselves. They've moved into that community of Khlong with their families. They've taken up local work. They've learnt the language and they just live amongst the people, uh, doing what they do, eating what they eat, living the way that they live and spending time with them over the last six or seven years, I've always asked the question, why? Why and what is it that motivates you? Why do you keep doing this? You could so easily get your ticket out of here, but why do you keep doing this? And this is their response. Amit, my personal conviction is that we are meant to be Jesus with skin on. We are meant to be Jesus with skin on. So these people that live in this slum, the poorest of the poorest in our world, who everyone just wants to forget and cast aside, we need to be Jesus with skin on. Folks, do we live our lives in such a way that others would look to us and actually say, there is something different about you and hopefully with opportunity they would begin to realise that the difference is that we are just... Jesus with skin on. Is that who we are? Can you imagine if the church of our city lived themselves in such a way that they took that call seriously? To be Jesus with skin on. What would that mean for our world? So if you are here this morning and you have recognised that Ahmet, I am on the old washing machine cycle of rinse and repeat. Yep, I'm one of those people who are just drifting through life. Or if you're one of the older brothers or sisters in this room and you recognise that, yeah, well, Ahmed, I'm now retired. I hate to break it to your face, There's no retirement in the Kingdom of Heaven. You are not done with the mission until the Father calls you home. So while there is breath in your lungs, the pace may be a little bit different, but you are still on. And we need you. Need people like this to keep feeding into people like this. It's necessary. Young people, are you just waiting for your time to come to be able to step up and, and have your voice heard? Or are you actually recognising that in your own classroom? You are Jesus with skin on. That's who you are. In your sporting clubs, you're Jesus with skin on. You wanna call yourself a follower of Christ? Listen carefully. You are nothing less than a full-time minister of the Gospel. I don't care what Bible college or not you have trained at, and I don't care what age or stage of life you are in. I do not care. You follow Jesus, you're a full-time minister of the Gospel. We are called to our lives as living sacrifices. Step into that guitar case, folks. Give it all up. Be willing to lose it all. When you wake up in the morning, say to yourself, I'm gonna be Jesus with skin on today. I'm just gonna try, see what happens. You wanna explore the how of being missional? Answer the question, who is Jesus to you? He is the embodiment of what we call missions. He is the embodiment of humility, of repentance and of commissioning. The answer is Him. The hope is Him. The strategy is Him, it was from before time began. So if that has been you, where you're recognising with all that's been shared over the last month, that hey, I need to be like Mrs. Max with a hint of rosemary. (laughs) And I need to step in like this this morning. If that is you, can I ask you to stand please? Wherever you are, if that is you, stand. Um, I don't get to come here to FCC that often and I know that there is a, a group of amazing leaders that serve this house. I would ask if you have stood this morning that you find whoever that leader is near you in this coming week and you start a conversation with them around, man, can you just help me to do this a whole lot better? If you really wanna make a difference, anything can change in this moment. I 100% agree, the Spirit of God will do whatever He wants. It's not up to me and it's nothing of me. He'll do whatever He wants, I just need to get out the way. But be intentional about standing up today and recognise it's not just about a response this morning, this is about a whole different posture to live by. So if you're online, if you're at City Campus, if you're here, whatever it is, if you have stood this morning, this is a declaration that I want to change my posture. Allow the work to begin. And life being an adventure, as you figure it out, just have fun, have fun. Make your mistakes and smile about it. Enjoy the journey. The Father will have His way. Let me pray. God, You are so good. Again, Father, anything that has not been of You this morning, may it perish. Continue to shape me and my words and whatever it is You want to use me for. Father, just continue to work on me. And for my brothers and sisters here that have stood up as a declaration that their posture needs to change, that they want to live more intentionally as living sacrifices, Father, have Your way with them. Oh, it's Holy Spirit, just stir in a fresh way. In their quiet moments, in their empty thoughts, as they feel the need to get back into scroll zone again, Holy Spirit, just come and hit them like a wave. May we be so consumed with who you are that we just want you more and more. We would not give into the distractions and the comforts and the securities of this world and this existence and the lies that are being marketed towards us day in and day out, but we would recognise that fullness of life is found in You. Not to be consumed with anything of self, but to be so consumed with Your Kingdom. Father, may Your Kingdom come. Father, may Your Kingdom come use your church, Father, release your church, Father, awaken your church to the truth of the Kingdom that was proclaimed in the life of Jesus Himself. May we be so consumed with the Kingdom that we recognise that life is worth living and dying for. The life of Yours, what You've called us to, it's worth living and dying for. The Kingdom of God is worth living and dying for. Nothing else will satisfy. Nothing else will satisfy. Nothing else will bring us to the point of fullness. It's all in You. It's all for You. It's all because of You. Jesus, change our hearts, change our minds, renew our bodies, strengthen us for Your work and release us to be agents of change. And I pray for this house, Father, for my family at Faith Community Church, no matter where they are, tuning in from right now, whenever they're gonna watch this back through the week, whatever conversations they have with anyone, Father, I pray for my family of FCC that You would start something in here that ripples across our city in a contagious way. We've seen how quickly viruses can spread, my goodness me. But may we see Your Kingdom spread like a virus. I don't even know if that's politically correct to say. That's all I've got in my mind, Father, just your kingdom, the the vision of your kingdom. May we just be so consumed by it that it just consumes every part of our being. And with these brothers and sisters who have stood up, who have said, let it start with me, Father, let it start with them. In Jesus' Name we pray.